Good morning, everybody. Hope everybody is well. Happy Tuesday for those that are here live. It is such an honor to be back with you again. Sorry that I wasn't around these past few days. As you know, this is sponsored by Momentum. Momentum is an organization that takes adult, Jewish adults to Israel on an intensive trip of awesomeness. And this past week, we went. We weren't going to go, and we almost got canceled, and we went. And it was awesome. I just came back uh, four hours ago. Uh, but it was really awesome. And so sorry I was not around. Um, but it was really, it was really incredible. We had guys from all over the country. We zigzagged across the state of Israel. We saw a lot of stuff. We learned a lot of lessons. And um, we, we inspired each other. So it's great to be back with you again. It's great to be connected for those that are listening or watching from the trip. Uh, welcome back. I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the lessons I learned along the way. These are lessons that are, they're universal. And wherever you go in life and you see greatness, these lessons sort of come up. You know, one of the key ingredients to this trip that we did, at least this one, was this incredible moment where it almost got canceled. I want to give you sort of like the behind the scenes of the trip. State of Israel recently published a requirement in order to get in on a tourist visa. You can't just get into the state of Israel right now. It looks like that's changing November 1st, but right now you can't just get in. You can't just like get on an airplane and show up. You have to come in through a visa, a business visa. You have to have a family member, maybe you have a student visa. You, just, you can't just roll into Israel. We were on this tourist visa. And I don't know, three weeks ago, Israel came up with its regulations, which was in order to get in our tourist visa, you need to have your third booster. As soon as they did that, we assumed the trip would get canceled because most people were not running to get the third booster in America. There, there's a process for it. Not everybody would have been eligible. Many people got vaccinated by Moderna, which didn't have really the booster out yet. So we assumed that we would get, start getting calls that it was canceled. So we prepared ourselves for a communication to the entire trip. You know, so sorry, because of the latest regulation, it looks like we'll have to cancel the trip. And that was on a Thursday we made that decision. Friday, I'm waiting for the communication and it's not going out. I'm waiting and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and it's not going out. So I emailed the, the team and I said, when are you sending out the communication? It's got to go out before Shabbat. People need to know to cancel their, their tickets. And I get this, this message back, hold, like, you know, stand by. I'm like, okay. So a few hours later, I see the following line come through in the WhatsApp. Trip's on. I'm like, no way. So we start making phone calls. What are you talking about? And the guys on the inside explained that when they were going around to say, you know, what happened and how hard it would be to get the boosters. I mean, remember, people are traveling, they've got lives, you know, you know, this is had to get in within 10 days. Each and every person on this trip said, I'm going to get it. What do you mean? I'm like, don't cancel the trip. I'll do it, whatever it takes. One of our participants walked miles 
through challenging neighborhoods because he heard of a CVS giving it out. Another one went to uh, out, of out of town to get his. Another one ran here and ran it. The 90 guys ran and did whatever it took to get the shots. And when the feedback came in that the participants were ready to do whatever it takes to come, we're like, well, we're going. And there was a moment that I want to share with you where it wasn't just like you get the booster and you're in, right? You got to get the booster. You got to get a negative PCR. You got to get on the airplane, obviously. You got to land. And when you land, you need another negative PCR and you need to pass your serological test. Like you don't just roll into Israel no longer, my friends. You got to get through a lot, a lot of like border stuff. And then you go to a basically to a quarantine place. And now in this case, it was a, we went to like a kibbutz. And you wait and you wait. And guess what? If you fail any of those tests, you fly all the way to Israel and you basically sit in a hotel room until you leave. So you can literally be in the state of Israel. There, you fail one of your tests and then it'll let you out. And you sit in a hotel room, get on an airplane, go home. And when the word started coming out internally that 1, 2, 10, 12, 15, 20, 30, 50 passed, 70, 80, every single guy, every single person, clear to go. There was this like intangible excitement. This incredible, I can't believe we pulled this off. This amazing feeling of individual responsibility and collective ability. And that first talk that we gave right outside in this beautiful area in a place called Kibbutz Lavi, a hotel on a mountaintop in the middle of Israel, in the northern part of Israel. If you could just picture 68 degree weather, dark, 637 o'clock at night, warm mountains. And I spoke to him about the idea of being part of what we called Gideon's 300. In the prophets, there's a story of a warrior named Gideon. In one of the battles, Gideon was marching to face one of the arch enemies of the Jewish people at the time of Midian, who had tens of thousands of troops. And back in those days, you remember how wars were fought? It wasn't like drones and bombs, right? F-16s and tanks. That's not how they rolled back then. Right? It was like sticks and stones, don't, you know, don't break my bones, but there it did, you know, like they went and like they had like some swords and, you know, shields and they, you know, clang, 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 you know, you've seen, the, you've seen the old, the old documentaries or whatever. So when you get 10,000 soldiers, you kind of need 10,000 back, right? It's one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe you could throw them, you could throw like a big rock at them, but like outside that, like there was no flyovers, there was no sorties. So now Midian is camping out, ready to fight the Jewish people with tens of thousands of soldiers. And Gideon raises an army 
in the Jewish people with tens of thousands of soldiers, and he's marching to meet the enemy. And God tells Gideon, too many, too many. He's like, what do you mean too many? It's like, there are too many soldiers. He's like, wait, what? what? That, that's, not a, that's not a thing, right? Like, you can never have too many soldiers, not in battle. God's like, yeah, because if you have these many, everyone's going to win. And if I determine everybody's going to win, you're going to think it's you. Send them home. And he sends them all home except for 600. And he brings them to the, to the pond to, to drink like a river. And God says, look at the way they're drinking. For those that are sitting in like a bowing position, like knees on the ground, it could be they, that they may have had done idol worship because they're sitting in the posture of an idol worshiper. I don't want anyone to even have even a bit of that to them all. Gideon's like, for real? I mean, like, because we, we don't have a lot left. God's like, send them home. And if I remember the story correctly, it was a long time. Gideon's got 300 left. Can you imagine 300 against tens of thousands? And God goes, if you want to win a war, if I want you to win the war, you'll win the war. And it's a great story if you have a chance to read it in Prophets. And Gideon wins the war. He wins the battle with 300. When you read that story, what you realize is that a few dedicated people can do major things. God doesn't need a lot. He needs a few people that are willing to step up. And one person represent 10, and one person represent 100. One person can be the power of 1,000. But you have to be willing to understand that your actions represent many. And your actions have ramifications beyond yourself. 300 people, their actions will, rep will, will affect thousands. If they were chosen to be in the moment, they will not act for themselves. They're acting on behalf of the 10,000 soldiers that weren't there. What I told the guys that first night was there was a moment that every single one of us in this room could have just said it's too hard. It was too hard to have everything lined up and then to be told that you got to go out and find the booster. Many people were very sick after getting the vaccine. Not everyone got the vaccine like went back to work. Some people couldn't even find the booster. But the fact that everybody said, I'm in created a ripple because if five people would have said i'm out that may have canceled the whole trip for everybody but when every person says i'm in i'll do what it takes and each person on their own went and did what it took and each person on their own was willing to take the risk they would spend money on a on a ticket fly into israel fail one of the tests and then spend the rest of the trip in a hotel room when each person was willing to do whatever it took in their little circle to get it done, and you collect all that, there's a power in that room. That's the Gideon 300. And what dawned on me was that that's really how it works when it comes to people. We wonder why companies are not more successful. It's because 
people are not willing to do whatever it takes for the betterment of the company. They not, may not deserve it. When you have a team and each person is trying to figure out whatever way they can get out of something, the energy of the room starts to dissipate. Families have that sometimes where the feeling is not, I'll do whatever it takes so that, because I understand that my actions impact you. My saying, I'm going on the trip, changed the trip for you. It gave you the encouragement to do it. When, when we found out that this group was coming and that group found out that the group was coming, when the group from Los Angeles said, we're going, and then the group from Orlando said, hey, you're going, it encouraged them to go get it done. When the professional staff saw the, the people that were coming, they got encouraged. The actions of an individual doesn't just have the impact on the individual. It impacts the feelings of the whole group. You take a stand, other people take a stand. You push past your comfort zone, it impacts, it impacts everyone else pushing past their comfort zone. You give in and you give up, it encourages someone else to give in and to give up. When we realize that our lives really is the story of the few against the many. And that whatever we do in life isn't just about us. It also impacts the feelings. Forget the impacts and ramifications. For sure. I'm talking about just even the feelings. My actions will give somebody else inspiration to work hard. My stepping up will start to model what stepping up looks like to somebody else who will then eventually step up. You know, the rule is that, you know, you end up sounding like your parents. You know those rules? You sound like your parents. That's what they say all the time. You sound like your parents. You know what that's called? That's called modeling. It's neuroplasticity. When we model behavior, people around us naturally think it's them. It's not them. It's you. They're seeing something and then neural connections are being formed. So then when they're in the situation, that's what they think you do. We had the guy on a trip who was a soldier. Told of this incredible story where he ran into to, to, to a house where there's a terrorist and killed the terrorist, putting his life at risk like 45 times in his military career in Israel. And like, we're like, how can you do that? And he, he, he wasn't even like, oh, it was really hard. He's like, that's what you do. And it took us a while to understand, yeah, when you're modeling behavior of courage so often, when the situation presents itself, you're going to naturally act with courage. Our actions are not only giving somebody else the thing that we've produced. You go to work, you, get, you have money, you go back and you give it to somebody else, you pay for it, fine. I'm not saying... That's for sure. But the Gideon 300 is more than that. It's that your actions are inspiring somebody else's actions. Your actions are creating a model for how somebody else should act because they're watching you or they, they see you or they, they see the impact of what you've done. And you'll never know because they didn't even know to tell you. The cities that showed up, because the first city said we're going, they, don't, they didn't even realize it. They didn't even realize that the reason why they're going is because other people are going too. And it's possible. 
because it seems like it's a natural choice. But it's hard to understand that it was, it's not a natural choice. It was a modeled choice. And they saw the model of, of overcoming challenge. So they naturally went. And if everyone had been like, this is crazy, we're not going, they naturally would have said, I'm not going either. So we had a trip that was thanks to every single person individually. But we have a life like that as well. You have a life like that. We don't know who's looking. We don't know who's watching. We don't know who's, who's just around that your enthusiasm or inspiration or your desire for growth or your comments is, is showing somebody else that I could do that too. It's normalizing greatness, the words that we use. And I'll share some other things maybe in the, few, the next few days on this trip. I'm just so overwhelmed by it. We're talking about the idea of normalizing heroism. When you're around enough heroes, it's normal to be a hero. This is one of the great challenges of our generation. Because we lost all of our grandparents, at least my grandparents, maybe your parents, maybe your great-grandparents, depending on who's listening. That generation of Holocaust survivors, that generation of people that came in from the different countries in persecution, and those that were even living here in very challenging situations, that generation that is now unfortunately leaving us, they were, they were stay-at-home heroes, right? You got to go see grandparents that lived at a time that was so challenging, and now they built their lives. They were heroes. They normalized heroism. That became what they did. And we started to like just assume that's what you do. We have no idea the impact of our actions on others because they have no idea the impact either. But it's impactful. What it means to live with this way of thinking is to understand that you're responsible for the many, that your life has greater implication than even you think. How you conduct yourself is influencing how someone else will conduct themselves. How you deal with challenge will influence how someone else deals with challenge. And your approach to situations of your life may be building a world of others that are approaching challenges as well without even you realizing it. When that participant said, I'm in, he may not have realized that that I'm in may have influenced another I'm in, which went to another I'm in, which went to a third I'm in, which ultimately led to a city saying, we're all, well, then we're all in, which ultimately led to an entire trip being in. You don't know that by you walking around with a smile or with a little more resilience or with a little more spirituality, we don't, we don't always have to be physical beings. We could elevate ourselves. We may have somebody else say, hey, I can deepen or I can be happier or I could do this, which then may influence someone else, which then may influence someone else. Before you know it, your actions your decisions 
changing people, especially those that you see consistently. That's what it means to be responsible, to realize that you are not living in a silo. We're all interconnected web. Okay. It's great to be back with you. Really, it's great to be back. I miss Israel, but it's great to be back. All right, everybody. Have an amazing day. With God's help, we can't wait to see you again tomorrow. Have an amazing day.